Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time you are tuning in. Welcome to Homesteading and Gardening in the Suburbs. I'm Emma from Misfit Gardening and well, I finally started my onions, some kitchen herbs, spinach and salad greens all indoors. I've been saving various containers like plastic yogurt pots, um, sour cream tubs, cottage cheese tubs, stuff like that that my husband and my stepson have eaten um, to then fill with seed starting and potting soil and sow some seeds, right? I always kind of get like this around this time of year because I want to see things growing. And even though I have been um, growing gourmet mushrooms, which has been a first for me, I've never grown um, mushrooms before. And I found a local company out here in Maine that um, had some kits. So I've been trying those for the very first time, which has been very fun and very delicious to eat them. But this week on the homestead's been a real challenge from busted frozen pipes in my stepson's apartment and flooding to rodents. And luckily, like I've got, you know, my work job, crochet projects and learning to quilt to all keep me occupied. And there's been some really cool things that we've seen, like we've seen foxes on the homestead and some interesting cat prints, which are huge. And I'm starting to think it's probably a bobcat. So hopefully we'll pick something up on the trail camera, but maybe not because we've been doing a lot of stuff with chainsaws and things over the last few days. So maybe we scared it off. But you know, this time of year is usually when my seed starting really kind of starts and my planning really seems to, um, you know, finalize and hone in. So I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about some of the seed starting things that I do because I can't be the only person that's going a little bit crazy from just looking at snow and wanting to do something. So indoor salad leaves are really easy to do. You just take a container that can hold some soil, fill it with a seed starter or a potting soil mix and then sow a little bit of salad leaves. You could use a mixed leaf salad so you get a bit of variety. I love these. I love the diversity of the leaves that you get. They look pretty. Um, I really like to do that or you can just keep the same variety if you want to. Um, my husband really likes bib lettuce so I've got a box that's just full of bib lettuces for him. I like the mixed greens so I've got different you know I've got reds and greens and different lettuce colors all together that are then sown but it's really easy because you just water your seeds and you should start to really see little seedlings in about a week if you keep them somewhere warm. I really like to reuse those plastic boxes that my salad from the store came in. Um, the clear lid is really great at keeping things humid, which helps germination. So it's kind of fun to see because you can see the roots growing down and then you can see the salads growing up. They're in a nice, easy container, you know, and then you can clean it out and recycle it afterwards, which is kind of neat right and once your salad's up and growing you just pop it somewhere warm and sunny or if you've got grow lights pop it under some grow lights and just harvest the leaves for a salad when they get big enough right this is a really great way to do kind of those cut and come again type of salad leaves where you go in you snip a few leaves off for a salad and then you know a couple of days later you come back and do the same thing um but you can do this kind of technique with lots of different vegetables like you could do it with radishes you can do it with spring onions or scallions um even baby leeks right you can do it with baby leeks different herbs right 
Um, what are some of the other things that I've done them with? Um, I've done them with kale, like baby leaf kale, or even beets for a, a beet salad. Like just something to be growing, right? There's something kind of, you know, happy about having your hands deep in some soil and, you know, working on planting something that's going to then feed you in your garden and I mentioned kitchen herbs kitchen herbs are always great and we've started basil greek oregano sage and rosemary and I start them in yogurt pops or you know a sour cream container whatever it was and um, that was washed out and you know I just fill it with the seed starting mix or potting soil um, always make sure that your seed starting mix or potting soil is moist already like if it's dry you know put it in another container and you know pour on some warm water mix it up and then just let it sit for a couple of hours to allow the water time to actually get absorbed by that medium because that's going to help your seeds because your seeds need that contact with the moisture and that growing medium to be able to germinate and thrive so you know i'll kind of prepare you know the soil on an evening and then just kind of let it sit over overnight and then come in the morning it's you know usually ready to to use so i'll just kind of fill up a container sprinkle some seeds on you know give them a little pat down so they're not going to disappear anywhere spritz them with water again and that's pretty much it sometimes i'll put a plastic bag over them to help keep the moisture in after giving those seeds a little spritz of water with a sprayer that does help because it keeps the moisture levels up and it helps with um, aiding that germination as does using heat mats and things and I did a whole podcast episode about seed starting tips that you should definitely check out if you've not heard it before it's going to be all of my seed starting tips together so you know, definitely, um, if you've not heard it before, um, take a, a little bit of time, like definitely get some paper and a pen and a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and um, listen to it because there's a, there's a lot of info that's in there. But this is stuff that I do all of the time and I've had a lot of success with doing these. And you don't need a lot of fancy equipment with seed starting. I have it now because I'm, you know, more honing into gardening for um providing for my family and providing for me it's not you know i've kind of made that move from it being a hobby to it's going to feed my family um so there's a different kind of mentality that went with that but fresh herbs are incredibly expensive at the grocery store and are really easy to grow at home using recycled containers so if you've never kind of grown anything before and you're kind of wanting to try then maybe try some fresh herbs right you can use them in the kitchen you know you, they're there every day and you're going to be able to see them and nurture them and you know a lot of people who start with kitchen herbs then sort of get the bug to start growing a little bit more I love growing kitchen herbs like it's it's a really great thing for me to do with my family like I get my husband involved like hey babe what herbs do you want to grow because you know he likes to cook all the time so I want to make sure that I'm growing things that he's going to use but also with slightly more woody 
herbs like sage or rosemary when they get bigger you can put them into a bigger container or you can even transplant them outside after the frosts have passed somewhere that gets a lot of sun and you can start a herb garden outside um we use a lot of very similar you know herbs and things we have a lot of thyme that's growing kind of wild in our garden like we'll find patches of thyme in the grass that's out there like randomly around the property like you'll kind of walk through it's like do you smell thyme <laughs> my husband's like why does it smell like sunday chicken somewhere over here it's like oh there's a patch of thyme here so I've not not grown thyme um, here because we've got so much of it. But, you know, when I was in Utah, like we had a little thyme garden that we'd created for growing, you know, stuff indoors because we used it so often. So I would recommend if you're wanting to do kitchen herbs, do things that you use a lot of and things that are expensive. Like I use a lot of basil and it is really, really expensive. And when I buy it in a packet, I'm not able to use all of that packet before it goes, you know, all brown and wilty and moldy. Sure, it goes into the compost bin, so it's not totally wasted. But when you're paying like $4, $5, $6, like in crazy prices for kitchen herbs. And I know that I can get a packet of seeds for less than that and I can grow more. Uh, I'm starting to lean more to growing more of them. But it's it's a way that you can help curb that I want to get something growing craving, right, um, on the homestead. But winter is also a really great time to, you know, think about or even start some building projects like making a cold frame, even though it is, you know, winter, we're coming up to the end of the year, right? Having a cold frame might be one of those things that you think that you've totally passed the boat on like it's already snow outside emma where i am why why do i need a cold frame well a cold frame is going to help you in spring be able to you know transfer plants that you've already got started out somewhere that they're going to be protected that they can get used to the temperatures and things outside it's called hardening off and it helps them to acclimate to where they're going to be planted it also offers you an opportunity if you you know put them over an area where you're going to be gardening where you can start to warm that soil you can get things out in spring up to six weeks earlier than you would if you didn't have some level of frost protection so i am going to be driving my husband nuts because <laughs> i'm probably going to be now on the lookout for um windows like old windows um old shower doors or screen doors anything that's like glass or even if there's um you know, that kind of polycarbonate stuff kicking about. Like if we find anything like that, I'm going to be asking to take it home so I can use it to start making cold frames. I've been doing a lot of reading about um, four season gardening. There is a brilliant um, author and farmer up here in, in Maine. And those of you that um, have been kind of like looking at gardening and garden extension, you will probably have come across um, Elliot Coleman's book at some point. And it has just been a treasure trove of information. And some of the techniques I was very much used to using, like cold frame growing and stuff, you know, in, in the UK. But the extent that he's kind of put things together was kind of mind blowing. So, 
like we've been looking a lot at some of these kind of projects for you know the upcoming season but being able to get things out in the ground earlier especially in the short season area is very very um worthwhile doing and building projects like making a cold frame or you know things like that are not necessarily things that need to be expensive especially if you can find reclaimed materials and um, another great thing to do over winter if you're trying to organize your shed or an existing greenhouse is maybe look at projects like building a potting table or things where you can you know organize your seed starting trays your pots and your seed starting mix or you know building some shelves maybe that you can get your seed starting started that, that's wow imagine trying to say that one after you've been to the pub seed starting started um but you know a way that you can you know get your trays sort of organized into the greenhouse so they're going to be able to get a lot more light or if there's areas where you're going to be transplanting things into the ground in a greenhouse you know how are you going to be best using those space and you know that's one of the things that i kind of miss from utah is being able to go out into the greenhouse even though it is freezing cold there's tons of snow on the ground um you know in the greenhouse i still had things that were growing and well they were being harvested throughout the season and i kind of miss that now that i don't have that so i've already got my mind set on you know season extension and some method of organizing things in milder areas december and january are when apples and pears are traditionally pruned so you want to be pruning out things that are dead damaged and diseased um but then also looking to prune to open up the structure of your trees to be able to get more light through so you can improve the harvest but whilst those things are all going on in the milder areas you know here on the homestead i'm working on starting my onions over the new year onions take long slow time to grow and i want to really be able to hit the ground running in the garden that we have because there's going to be a lot of moving pieces in a short period of time as soon as that snow thaws but whilst i've been working on starting those onions and looking at you know over the the new year what's coming up um i've been working on my seed starting calendar taking time to plan when different varieties are going to be started indoors and getting those dates on a calendar so i don't forget right we're all super busy people like i forget my wedding anniversary on a regular basis right if it's not on a calendar like i tend to kind of forget things i've forgotten my own birthday like i forgot tons of stuff because we're all very busy and we're thinking about other things so you know winter there's not a lot kind of going on you know outside necessarily but it's a good time to kind of sit down have a cup of tea or coffee or whatever and you know get things scheduled right you know pull out a calendar for the next year or a diary and write in like on the days that you're going to be needing to start seeds you know get those dates written in or you know you need to transplant your seedlings out on this day into the garden like get things scheduled some people set reminders on the phone others like to do a calendar do what works best for you i have a calendar and i will be transferring all the dates onto that calendar and um, once i finally figured out what some of those dates are going to be for the varieties it's just easy for me to have a look at it because it's right next to my desk and i can just take a look and be like oh hey tomorrow morning i've got to make sure that i sow i don't know 
these peppers or you know the celery or whatever and I can make sure that I'm going to be kept on track. I spend a lot of time um, over the last couple of weeks going through my seeds and really creating an inventory of what I had um, as well as things like the days to maturity. So how soon you know is it going to be from starting that seed to a potential harvest right i also looked up and figured out how soon seeds could be started indoors or you know did they have to be started outdoors how many weeks before the last frost in spring could they be started you know some things could only be started two weeks before the last frost day others four or even 12 some couldn't wait and be started until after the last frosty right so i spent a lot of time planning that out and because i work with spreadsheets all the time in my day job um i decided to basically create a calendar and a, a schedule and an inventory kind of all on as one on one of those right i can sort it based on the month and you know what the plant is so i can kind of drill down what my seed starting activities are going to be right i can you know sort it by peas and i can see all the varieties of peas that i have i could sort by i want things that are going to take less than 90 days to maturity and i can pull up everything that i have that's going to be you know viable in a short season or i could look at things that are greater than 120 days and i could say okay these are seeds that i'm going to swap with other people because they're not going to be viable for my climate right it's just been a good way for me to kind of figure things out and I'm you know that kind of nerd like my analytical brain like loves organization right not necessarily going to be for you I get that okay but there's other people that are going to be listening that are going to be like oh, I want that spreadsheet right um it's not pretty uh, I won't lie um but it it's it's functionable and it's something that I work on you know each year I kind of think of other things that you know kind of get added to it that makes sense to me and how how I plan but this particular spreadsheet works great for known varieties of seed right let's say you've got king of the north sweet peppers or weathersfield red onions right but when it comes to things like land race varieties where there's a lot more diversity and variability that's where keeping really good notes for your garden comes in so in my garden journal when i start seeds i write down when i started them and what they were right yeah sure i'll make you know little notes on the labels and stuff but i always lose the labels of things always and you know my husband was like why don't you just write on the top of you know the the dome that goes on the the modular seed trays and i was like um because they don't stay with the seeds you'll take those off you know as the seeds get bigger and he was like oh so how do you know what goes in there then and that's when like really careful notes kind of come into play so sometimes i'll take a permanent marker and i'll kind of mark you know the seed tray and i'll kind of you know grid them off so i know what things are um other people you know make little plant labels and use those other people have like a, a note like a sheet underneath that will say what things are um bits of masking tape have been really great um those i've just kind of stuck to the side of things before they've been very helpful um so there's lots of ways that you can mark things off but i always like to write it down again in my journal and this is helpful if you're doing you know one or two varieties so you can kind of 
write down what they are but it's equally important if you're writing down things that are part of like a breeding project or if you're developing a land race right so i'll make notes on when i start the seeds i'll make notes on when i start to see germination when seedlings are potted on into larger pots if they do you know if i move let's say tomatoes right i'll start those off in those teeny weeny little modules and then maybe i will move them into you know a large like drink cup or something so they've got a chance to grow a little bigger i'll write down when i do that i'll write down when they start to get hardened off or i you know start putting them outside to acclimate because it takes about 10 days to be able to do that i'll write down things like the dates that i transplant varieties and plants into the garden and where i put them so did i put them in bed three or did i put them in bed four or bed one right and i will write down when i start to see produce harvest because i then go back and use that information from my garden journal to then work out how many days from starting the seed to harvest or how many days from transplant to a harvest things are going to take in my garden and you'll find as you start to do this kind of activity that you know the days to maturity that you'll see on the back of a seed packet are very much variable right if you see 60 days to maturity it might be 55 it might be 60 it might be 63 might be 65 it might even be 75 or more depending on where you are in your growing conditions and your climate right the days to maturity are usually an average right of different growers that have put into um be able to kind of come up with this number for the seed companies some seed companies don't even bother to put on a days to maturity um oh gosh is it yeah baker creek heirloom seeds a lot of their seed packets don't have days to maturity on there because it's so variable and dependent on where you live but that's you know one of the great things about having a garden journal is having those notes to be able to go back to and you know as you start saving seeds and developing a land race project maybe you're starting to select plants that are producing earlier right so you're starting to select plants for earliness right or maybe you're wanting plants that are producing later so you're wanting things with a longer growing season right so you're starting to really kind of hone in how you want your garden to grow by seed saving um so that's that's one way that you can use this kind of tool if you're developing different varieties um so for those of you who are uh, planning to be self-sufficient from the garden you might be thinking what about fall crops when it comes to this old spreadsheet thing that you got there the same kind of idea applies right you know where you were basing your starting dates from the first frost or the last frost sorry in spring for fall crops you're basing it on the first frost in fall so you would use your first anticipated fall frost date and then work out how many weeks before that date you would need to transplant your seedlings into the garden and then give yourself two weeks four weeks 12 weeks however many weeks before transplanting to start those seeds off right some varieties like peppers for example can take a long time to germinate because they have to have certain soil temperatures and things or you know certain amount of light to trigger that germination 
So it just depends. But I, I then, you know, use the math to basically create a sewing date for fall. So I call it like the last sewing date or something like that. And I know for, let's say, for carrot varieties that I grow, the last chance that I have to sow carrots for a fall harvest depending on the variety, is between July 12th and July 24th. So if I've got a variety that's got a shorter or a lower number of days to maturity, let's say 65 days, I can sow that on July 24th. But if I've got carrots that take 90 days, then I need to be sowing them on the earlier date, right? The 12th July date, right? To be able to have a harvest, knowing your dates for sowing and expected harvesting can help you get more from your garden space and help you plan your garden better you can prioritize like early spring garden space for really fast growing crops with lower days to maturity to be able to have a harvest or two out of the space before those longer growing summer vegetables or even your transplants for fall are going to be needed to go into that space to have the time to grow or you can use the information to extend your harvest of that crop, like corn, for example. You could grow an early variety of corn with a low number of days to maturity, a medium season variety or a mid-season variety, and then a late season variety that's got a longer or a larger number of days to maturity. You could start these varieties in the garden at the same time and they're going to grow to different, you know, maturity over a different period of time. So let's say that your early variety is ready in 75 days, then your mid-season variety varieties ready in 90 days and then your late season variety is ready in 120 days you've extended your corn harvest from 75 days to 120 days that's way more time that you've got and more produce that you're able to get out of your garden just by basically hacking the dates to maturity for your garden you don't need to use a calendar or a spreadsheet to garden. You really don't. Like I know gardeners who buy transplants from the nursery. They plant them on Mother's Day in Utah or Memorial Day here in New England and never worry about seed starting and planning other than where each row of veg is going to go in the garden. And there is nothing wrong with that either. But for me, the garden is going to be my primary food source. I'm vegetarian and I'm challenging to really have some something from the garden throughout the season and because this is my primary food source I'm taking a lot more care to plan it so I'm going to have food from the garden. I'm obviously going to have to change my cooking and thinking along the way and hopefully my waistline is going to go down as a result of this experiment too but you know when you start to kind of make that move from being a hobby gardener to it becoming a lot more critical you're starting really to kind of plan things in right i know i'm not going to be able to have apples year round for example i know that you know there's different produce that thrives better in early spring or fall like peas for example when it gets too hot peas don't produce anymore and they get all mildewy and die there's other crops that do better in the hotter weather, right? There's crops that do better when it's slightly cooler, right? There's there's things like that that I will then factor into account for my seed growing and my garden planning. But 
when it comes to winter and everything being cold and covered in snow, certainly here in New England, this is a great time to really, you know, have a cup of tea and dig out gardening and homesteading and even small holding books to read and brush up knowledge on, right? I like to peruse old gardening magazines and even watch a couple of videos to get inspired for the garden in 2022 and kind of figure out what is it that I could do a little bit differently and have I thought about this for my plan or do I want to try something different? So I would love to hear from you. Let me know in the Facebook group what has got you inspired for the garden next year and what your favourite garden planning tools are. Until next time, I hope your garden grows beautifully and I'll see you all next week.